0: They'll, they'll take tax, they'll take fines, they'll, they will take anything that they see fit out of your account. And this is all written down. This isn't, this isn't a conspiracy theory. This, this is, it, it, they, they mention programmability over and over again in the document. The IMF have come out and said, we as a central bank will have absolute control
1: Coming up on British Thought Leaders, I sit down with Susie Violet-Ward, a journalist, author and financial analyst. Susie shares her concerns about a new centrally controlled digital currency that the UK government aims to introduce to replace money.
0: We will have money that expires. They will be able to push money into areas of the economy depending on what they think requires stimulus. And they'll be able to tell you to spend it or lose it
1: this central bank digital currency or CBDC would completely change the control people have over their own money, and yet it's getting very little attention in the media or from the public.
0: It's a complete restructure of our financial system. Why is no one talking about it? I cannot work this out and I feel, I feel like it's being deliberately stifled.
1: I'm Lee Hall and this is British Thought Leaders. Susie violet Ward, thank you for joining us on British Thought Leaders.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Uh, Could you start by telling us what a CBDC is?
0: Uh, A CBDC is a central bank digital currency. It's a currency that is centrally controlled by a central bank and it has the ability to be programmed.
1: So are we talking like a cryptocurrency but it's managed by the government kind of thing?
0: Uh, it, It has fallen into the cryptocurrency a banner, But I don't think it's going to be on a blockchain. I think it's more likely to be on a centrally controlled database, no. like something Amazon Web Services, and, and maybe outsourced to a third party.
1: So what kind of differences would that bring to it?
0: It would mean that they could tell you where to spend your money, what to spend it on, and potentially if it expires.
1: All right. So it's like a control mechanism, really? Yes. Okay. So I know we've got this Bitcoin that's been talked about a bit in the media here. Is that our government's version of a CBDC?
0: That's very much our government's version of a CBDC. And it's just unfortunate that they chose to use the term Bitcoin because that almost muddies the waters between something that is centrally controlled and Bitcoin that is controlled by nobody.
1: Right. So it sounds very similar, but it's quite different.
0: It's completely different.
1: So how is is that Bitcoin definitely happening? And do you know when it will come in?
0: They have a they had a consultation or they have a consultation that was ending on the 7th of June, but they made an error in one of the questions. So they've had to extend it until the 30th of June. Um, They talk about it in the technical papers if it is inevitable, although they say that it is a consultation, but I think it's all smoke and mirrors. I think that they are forging ahead.
1: So the, the mainstream media reported that a brick coin will serve the vulnerable and should be trusted. Um, I think maybe you think slightly differently to that. Can you tell us why?
0: Um, well, the, the, the consultation paper, for a start, it wasn't written for people to understand. When I ran it through something called the Hemingway app, of it was either considered very hard to understand or hard to understand. Mm -hmm. So considering the average reading age of somebody in the UK is nine, this came out at a reading age of 15. Mm -hmm. And there is absolutely no way that the majority of the public could understand what was written. So if they want to, everything that they say about protecting the vulnerable and inclusiveness, the documents themselves don't demonstrate that. Mm -hmm.
1: I know you're you're publicly against the CBDCs, and I want to kind of try and understand why that is. Could you give us some some background on on the dangers of CBDCs?
0: So, anything that's centrally controlled by a government means that they can implement their whatever government agenda is is relevant to them at the time. So, for example, when they told us to use diesel or buy diesel cars, they could, in theory force people to only buy diesel cars then they decided that diesel was bad and they tried to tell people not to buy diesel cars and then they could flip over and tell you not to buy diesel cars so depending on whatever agenda they have at the time usually ill-informed it could be something to do with climate change it could be linked to a social credit score and this is this is happening in China so this isn't this isn't a dystopian uh, nightmare that couldn't happen. This is actually happening in other countries.
1: So looking at that, because I think probably that's a worst case example of what could happen if we bring in the CBDC. What's life like under this social credit score? What, what things does it do to people?
0: Um, I think they can they can give you a number. And if you speak out against your government, it'll be, your, your, your number will be lowered. If, you, uh, if, you ha- if there's any misdemeanors, if you don't toe the line, then you, you will have a black mark against your name and that, that can prevent you from accessing services.
1: And so uh, I guess a lot of people here would feel like, oh, our government will never do these things to us. Um, do you think that's realistic?
0: I-, I would point people back to COVID. If, if COVID hadn't happened, and they hadn't implemented some of the draconian measures that they had. I wouldn't have thought that this was possible, but we've seen it in action.
1: So we're looking at things like, for example, they want to cut down on the number of people smoking. They could stop people spending their money on on cigarettes. Is that the kind of...
0: They also are linking climate change to meat consumption. Right. So they could stop you from buying meat they could stop you from going on holiday. If they think that you've flown on too, too many holidays, they could stop you from flying. There's all sorts of, it depends on the government agenda at the time. And who, who, who knows what they could come up with in the future.
1: So looking at the green agenda at the moment, that one seems kind of realistic, the idea that, oh, you've flown too many miles this year, you're now limited.
0: Yes, and, but they don't look at things from a holistic point of view, so they're just looking at one thing in isolation. They wouldn't look at the fact that you may walk everywhere uh, or all of your cl- clothes that you put your children in are hand downs None of that would be factored in. It would just be isolated pockets of what they think should be curtailed.
1: So we're kind of looking at, if you want to spend money, it's basically it checks back in some kind of, government database and and literally they can see everything that you spend money on all the time, whereas we've got notes at the moment, we can buy something, they're not going to know what we've bought.
0: I don't think it will be a government database that that holds that data, it will be uh, what's called a PIP, which is a payment interface provider. So there'll be third party solutions offering wallets and that's where all the programmability will possibly sit, and, and the privacy concerns, because the Bank of England will outsource this part of their project.
1: Right. So it could be some random company that can see everything that you're buying and has control over.
0: And then they'll be subject to the law. So if they want to shut down or stop, they would then be sanctioned and the government can say, not us.
1: How open is all of this to kind of hacking and things like that? And we have these 51% attacks on the uh, cryptocurrencies and those kinds of
0: things. So on, on a small blockchain, a 51% attack is is a, like, is, is a real possibility. Uh, Bitcoin, it's not because the network is so big and it would be financially prohibitive to, to issue a, a 51% attack on proof of stake, which is if it was going to be on a blockchain, these CBDCs would be on some sort of proof of stake. So you'd have to own over 51% of the tokens. Right. So it's, it's, it's possible on smaller blockchains, but I don't think this is going to be on a blockchain.
1: You have to worry about electricity and power and stuff like that. Suddenly there's no kind of currency anymore. If there's some kind of power color, no one can do anything.
0: Uh, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, we, we're very much reliant on electricity. And, but they, they're phasing out cash regardless.
1: Right,
0: right, right. So I, I, don't, I don't think that we will be able to stop the phasing out of cash. But that's another thing that they say, that we have no interest in phasing out cash. Yet a lot of shops are doing it anyway. So they can once again pretend to not be facilitating such a thing while getting other people to do their dirty work.
1: Yeah, I went to an event where they were talking about phasing half cash and stuff, and then the actual venue itself wouldn't accept cash. <laughs> and there was a meeting of people who supported cash. There were loads of angry people saying, I don't want to spend my money here. But it's definitely happening. You can't really argue with it
0: anymore. No.
1: What effects do you think this would have on our banking industry?
0: Well, I think that they're trying to centralise banking more and more. Uh, retail banks, if money's issued by the Bank of England, I, I can't see that retail banks would all survive. It depends how it's rolled out. Mm. I can see an argument for, for a wholesale CBDC, so that's a cross-border CBDC. Like an
1: international world one.
0: Exactly, because there's no doubt about it, our current financial system is clunky and it does need reform. But we don't need a retail CBDC, this is, I think the House of Commons said this is a, a a solution in search of a problem. Nobody's asked for it, nobody wants it, and most people don't even know it's happening, but they're, they're driving it forward anyway.
1: This is kind of one of the interesting things about it, is it seems there's hardly anyone's talking about it. I know like Together Campaign, Alan Miller, he's campaigning against it and you are, I don't really hear much else about it at all, but it's actually a a massive issue. It's a
0: complete restructure of our financial system.
1: Why is no one talking about it?
0: I cannot work this out, and I feel I feel like it's being deliberately stifled. So I went on this to I I went to speak on GB News about this subject, and from what I could understand, it was very difficult to get me on it on, on on to speak about it. It it was there was pushback. And since then, I haven't really heard much about it. So there's, there's a deliberate attempt to stop public discourse.
1: Uh, everyone should be talking about this. If we're, we're, We did
0: during Brexit. It, yeah. does, it doesn't matter what side you sat on with Brexit. It was discussed ad nauseam. But this this is barely discussed. And I speak to people all the time. And I ask them, do you know what a central bank digital currency is? And most people do not.
1: Uh, why is the mainstream media not talking about it? I've seen you write in City AM about it. I think maybe there's one piece on BBC. Is, uh...
0: So they 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 wrote an article in November 2021, which was a long time ago, um, and, that's, and it was just a written article, and since then nothing else has been mentioned. But it's moved along a lot since then. And the public consultation for a retail CBDC... Um, is ending on the 30th of June. People should be writing in. They should be, the, the, the BBC should be helping people understand this concept mm. and walking them through the process and helping them to understand the ramifications of it so that they can respond to the consultation.
1: Yep.
0: It's a retail CBDC which will change everything. We will have money that expires. They will be able to push money into areas of the economy depending on what they think requires stimulus. And they'll be able to tell you to spend it or lose it.
1: There's also going to be a kind of older generation of people that suddenly have to get to grips with this because they're not allowed to spend cash anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it's, it's, I, I actually spoke to somebody the other day who said... Uh, this, I know this is really dramatic, but he was in his 60s, and I said, I hope... He said, I hope this does not happen in my lifetime. I'd rather be dead than have to live through that. Oh, no.
1: Have you seen much portrayal in the media about people who are against CBDCs? Uh,
0: <laughs> yes. I, I watched a documentary by the BBC recently, which was appalling. They lumped in people that were against programmable money with... Holocaust deniers and climate change deniers. And I I couldn't believe it because this isn't a conspiracy theory. The technical documentation is out there. The consultation is there for the public to respond to. Everything is written down. There's no conspiracy here. Yet they decide to portray it on the BBC. People that don't agree with the concept of programmable money as being crazy, and I—I I, I found it was a 23-minute documentary, and I—I I, couldn't—I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was a new low. Do
1: you think it was just kind of they don't understand what they're doing, or do you feel this is a purposeful move?
0: This is a question that I ask myself all the time because the people that are working on these projects, people at the Bank of England of the Digital Power Foundation. I don't, I don't think they're bad people. I just think that they're surrounded by centralized noise. And I think that they're being conditioned by their employers. And it, it's a real shame. I don't know how to solve that problem.
1: I guess we just, the consultation will end soon and we'll kind of see, what well, our next move is after that, really.
0: But they'll phase it in slowly. Right. And then they'll probably, release another perma crisis to get people they'll, they'll 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 sell it when they're ready to implement it they will sell it in a way that makes people believe that they need it there'll be no discussion and and there won't be a balanced argument for and against
1: I'm just trying to kind of understand a bit more deeply the, the kind of bad side of it all so I mean the first thing we've got is that your spending is visible to some kind of like, authority, basically. You can just go out and buy something in secret or whatever.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think... I'll be, it's probably similar now, bar cash. Um, there will just be a lot less friction. It will be ease of use. They'll be able to do whatever they need to do at the click of a button. Now there's a little bit more friction involved, but if they wanted to uh, close down your bank account or take away your money, they, they, they could do it, it would just be more convoluted. This, this would make it a lot easier.
1: So I heard about some, like, they were called haircut payments or something in Eastern Europe where people got 10% of their account removed and they didn't even know about it and they kind of went to their bank account and it had been taken away. Um, so I guess that would be possible, Or taking tax immediately without...
0: They'll, they'll without take choice. tax, they'll take fines, they'll, they will take anything that they see fit out of your account and this is all written down this isn't this isn't a conspiracy theory this this is it, it, they they mention programmability over and over again in the document the imf have come out and said we as a central bank will have absolute control they they're, they're telling people they're writing it down yet it's not it's not being discussed in the mainstream media, so people just don't know about it.
1: So what would some better solutions be?
0: Well, we have a, a, a payment system right now that's a global collateral that can be sent to anybody on the planet with a mobile phone at lightning speed for minimal cost, and it's Bitcoin.
1: So I mean, you're, you're a fan of Bitcoin. Can you tell us a bit about what that is?
0: Uh, I'm I'm a fan of anything that isn't centrally controlled, I'm concerned by the concentration of power that seems to be happening around the globe. And rather than putting or imposing more laws on people, I feel like we should be building up our individual communities and deciding what's best for us. This centralised power, it just creates, it creates more rules for everybody is it's stifling innovation it's propping up an already failing and corrupt system and if we had a global money that can't be sanctioned removed weaponized and can be sent to anybody on the planet instantly for almost no cost why wouldn't you use that it's never been hacked there was there was a bug in 2010 that got fixed very quickly, but that wasn't a hack. So it's one of the strongest systems, payment systems that we've ever known. And it's an absolute no-brainer, yet they don't even they don't even seem to be looking into it.
1: So uh, I guess they are aware of it, but they somehow have decided we can't control that, we don't want that, we want to bring in this one we can control.
0: Yeah, yes. Or they don't even see it as a threat. They, they, they may even not even consider it as a, as a serious threat to the financial system. They, they may not even be paying attention.
1: I know you brought an article out today talking about um, Bitcoin and these ETFs. Can you tell us a bit about that?
0: So uh, Bitcoin, a spot ETF is an, an ETF that would mean that people can hold Bitcoin in their pension funds and SIPs. So, you would, uh, the, whoever owns the ETF would go out purchase Bitcoin, and it would be backed one to one. So it allows people who can't access Bitcoin through the traditional markets to to actually have ownership. I'm not a massive fan of not owning your keys to Bitcoin. I think that self-custody is important. However, if you do want exposure to it in your pension or your SIP, then it's a good idea. Um, Multiple filings for ETFs have been rejected, for a spot, Bitcoin ETF have been rejected until BlackRock goes and puts one in. Now they've only had one ETF rejected. So it's highly likely that this is going to go through. And with the way that they're increasing interest rates in the States, which seems to be collapsing the banking sector, which will then centralise banking, They've, the SEC have gone after an exchange called Coinbase, who have been trying to do the right thing. So the That's S- a
1: really big one, isn't it, Coinbase? Pardon? That's a really big exchange for
0: cryptocurrencies. It, it's, it's a huge uh, crypto exchange. And they have been trying to get regulated and do the right thing with the SEC. The SEC have been saying we're here to help you, but at the same time making things very difficult for them and now they're taking them to court. What's odd about this BlackRock ETF is that BlackRock want to use Coinbase for their custody, even though the SEC, who will approve the Bitcoin ETF, are suing Coinbase. Right,
1: Yeah, heard sounds. sound tricky?
0: Yes, it's, it's very odd. It's very odd. And with the, the collapse of the banking or the various collapses that have been going on with uh, Silvergate, um, oh, I can't remember the names of the other ones, uh, but, but it, will, it will happen. There will be more banking collapses because they're raising rates that I think the quickest that they ever have in history and, and it just can't keep up.
1: So are all these things connected, do you think?
0: I I think they are, yeah. Right.
1: With that final aim being?
0: Uh, Centralised banking, control of the crypto industry, as much control as they can have over Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, it's very worrying. I mean, if we look at China, people, if they don't have the right political views, can suddenly find they can't buy necessities like nappies and things like that. I mean, no government should have that kind of control over its people.
0: No, and they would say that they don't want that control and it won't happen, not, not here. But it could. Mm. And it will, it will be an insidious drip. And I think everybody should go out and read 1984 again. Although that used to be on the curriculum. Yeah. And now it's been taken off, I wonder why. A yeah. little, little bit too close to home.
1: Yeah, yeah. It seems we're living through it recently. Uh, so many of these kind of things are happening all the time. Very much so. So do you, do you feel Bitcoin could be the answer to, to this kind of situation? If somehow things did turn around, that would work as a ongoing system that we could use?
0: Yeah, I think so. I don't think Bitcoin's fully ready for the whole globe to take it on as a payment system yet. I think it would need to work alongside our current financial system. Um, if they implement a central bank digital currency, fine. But Bitcoin has to be there to keep it honest. There has to be an alternative.
1: Right. Because there's a lot of other cryptocurrencies, but those ones don't have the advantages of Bitcoin, would you say?
0: So Bitcoin ha- uh, works on a consensus mechanism called proof of work. And it means that it, it does have a lot of energy. It, we, I personally think that money should be linked to energy. It was back in 1971 when we were on the gold standard. Mm. There was a link with money and energy. Now we can just print money out of thin air. Mm. We can just flood our financial system with extra money, causing inflation and, and uh, causing a hell of a lot of harm. Bitcoin has the advantage of using proof of work, which means that you can tap into any stranded energy regardless of where it is on the planet, and you can turn that stranded energy into money. So with other cryptocurrencies, they're, they're centralized companies. They're not decentralized protocols, which means that other people can control the issuance. They can change the code and it's reliant on individuals where, where Bitcoin is completely decentralised and the rules are already programmed, the monetary policy is already programmed.
1: What is this idea of mining Bitcoin that we hear about? We hear about these big energy banks in China that are using loads of electricity because they're mining Bitcoin and they're obviously not actually mining.
0: So they're, they're computers that just turn energy into solving complex uh, cryptographic puzzles. Right and then they solve blocks, and then once you've got a block, you've earned your Bitcoin. And that's what proof of work is.
1: Right. But that's an infinite, um, uh, kind of finite amount of Bitcoin.
0: 21 million, which is why, uh, that, and that number's very important, 21 million Bitcoin divided by 100 million Satoshis. So it can, the last Bitcoin I think will be mined in 2140, Every four years, the amount of Bitcoin that you can earn through mining halves. Oh, right. So it, it has scarcity, which is something our money does not have at the moment, which is why I think we're in a lot of the problems that we've got. is just because they can just flood the system with money.
1: Because, I mean, if you go to the bank to get a mortgage or whatever, and they put it through and they press it on the system, that's just money being created. It's not coming from a... Part no. of money that they have.
0: Yep, fractional reserve banking, yeah. A lot of people don't realise that, that that money has just been spun up just in that moment.
1: And so that's one of the reasons we're having financial issues in the world, because you can't just keep making more and more money because it's just going to inflate prices, right?
0: Yep, and usually when money comes into the system, it benefits the person who received it first. Right. And then once it goes further out, that's when it causes problems for other people through inflation. So when they talk about inflation as a result of Brexit, that's a little bit disingenuous because it's probably as a result of our COVID response and the amount of money that got pumped into the system at that time. You had people sitting at home not being productive while being given money. That's always going to cause a problem.
1: The same with the quantitative easing, wasn't it? Because it kind of comes in and goes to the shareholders. And they benefit more of being the first to receive it.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: So what are the kind of wider answers here? Um, I mean, we try and end the CBDCs, encourage people to move towards Bitcoin and stick with their kind of what, normal credit card ways of paying for things.
0: I, I, I wouldn't tell anybody to ever buy Bitcoin, but I would tell people to study it. I think it's, it's going to be very important in the future. I don't have a solution to the problems that we've got at the moment because they're too vast. It's a combination of government corruption, media that isn't telling the truth. Uh, it, it's, it's just one, it's one big psyops. It's, it's a manipulation that I don't think we've ever seen before. It's, it's terrifying.
1: If people want to find out more or kind of dive into a bit more detail on this, do you have somewhere, on you know, a website they could go to?
0: I think it's, it's it's difficult because there's no beginning, middle or end. It really is a case of... I, I would encourage people to look at the biggest problem that they've got in their life and see how monetary policy has caused that.
1: You have a, a substack that people can visit?
0: Yeah, I have a substack. Um, you can look me up on Twitter at DecentraSues. Or you can go to City AM and type in Susie Violet and all of my articles will come up. But that doesn't necessarily teach you about Bitcoin. That's just me trying to fit together all the pieces of the puzzle and try and work out what's going on.
1: Susie violet Ward, thank you for joining us on British Thought Leaders. Thank you for having me.